Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. That never happens. Where the whole tune plays out, but through the can. Mm -hmm. That was like a magical moment. they're beautiful how goes it hi it goes how goes it for you it goes i feel like it's been about 25 episodes since i've used how goes it so i figured i'd bring it back i don't feel like that that's true but i appreciate a good how goes it at any episode so i'm here for it hi hi how goes it for you i think i just said it goes did did we do that i don't know well now we have Axel's already done with our shit. (laughs) Thank you, Axel. Just so everyone knows that that noise was Axel leaving our presence because he hates us. (laughs) Dear listeners, if you're new here, I'm Allie and the beautiful woman across from me that you cannot see is Celeste. Hi, that's me. Hi, Celeste. Checking in. Throwback to the episode where we hold open doors for each other. It's true. Yes. Yes. Madly in love. The two of us. Real. Not at all what I was referring to. (laughs) Somewhere else because I love you. <laughs> Although I guess that episode hasn't been released yet, so you might not remember not holding a door open to introduce oh, me. Oh, I do remember the double door. The double door. Actually, funny, I sent Matt a message about giving him the green light to ask me for my phone number, and I sent a GIF of me holding the door open, but it was only one door. The other door, the second door was open, and I said, just like I like to do it, only holding one door. And he literally said, what (laughs) this is after our episode same day and i was like you need to sit down now like you're fired from the jokes (laughs) well he'll be reminded soon enough because that episode releases in three days yes i'm so excited which is going to be really confusing for the timeline that listeners are currently listening to this episode on welcome to this episode which is approximately 12 episodes later from the episode we're talking about. (laughs) Oh, so funny. How are you doing? I'm well. We just got a bunch of amazing presents from some really fucking incredible people. And we did a live about it. So go check out our live on Facebook from a couple weeks ago because this is going to be aired way later. But we did just open presents from Josh from Four Nerds by Nerds and from Aaron at I Had to Say It and also Jim from Film Rage. All shows that we love so, so much. Both I Had to Say It and Four Nerds by Nerds are shows that we were recently guests on and... Film Rage is going to be a guest on our show coming up really, really soon. So stay tuned for that. We have another series coming. I'm not going to spoil anything, but our love 
Jim will be joining us and I'm so fucking excited for that episode. I'm so fucking excited for his energy to be here with us and you guys get to hear him and how amazing he is. So thank you everybody for the love and presence and all the things. We are so grateful for all of you. Yeah, I just need to call out that Josh got, well, rewind. Actually, both you and Josh got me my tiger fire puppy. Growlithe. Yep. In a Funko form. And he got Moose's first ever Funko. And also he got Tiny a Squirtle Funko and I legitimately start crying and Allie's being an asshole in the video because I'm crying and then she's like, oh shit, you're really crying. (laughs) I really was crying. That was so fucking sweet. He did not. And my big boy. Oh, my big boy with his big belly. Oh, I'm so happy. And he's number 24, which also has proven to Allie that there's some things that need to be worked on in our friendship. AKA remembering my favorite number. As we've already clarified, math and numbers probably aren't my strong suit. So thank you to the very special men in our life. Thank you to anybody who sends us anything, but specifically I recognize in the gifts that we opened up today, they were all from men in our lives. So thank you for loving us. Thank you for showing us your appreciation and for just honestly being our humans. Like we're grateful for all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. 100%. You guys show us support in so many different ways, and this was this was icing on the cake, to be sure. I have no idea what that noise was. I don't know either. My lip made a noise, and I'm definitely not going to be able to edit that out because it was while you were talking, but for anybody, that was just a weird noise my mouth made. <laughs> All right, so speaking of men, do you want to hear what today's episode is going to be about? I'd love to. Today... We are talking about erectile dysfunction. I'm trying to think of some sort of joke and I don't have one. That's because there's not really a good one. You know how I know that? I tried too. The whole time I was doing this research. (laughs) It was really not a good joke. I really seriously, I had some written down and I was like, no, that's, that's not funny. No, that's insensitive. No, that's bullshit. No, that's a stigma. No, that's what happens today. Like literally every time I could come up with a funny, not a hurtful, a funny I would step back from it and it ended up being really fucking hurtful. It wasn't funny at all. Mm -hmm. So I just didn't roll with any of them. And I love that you had that moment. I love that I got to watch that. Yep. That was really cool. My brain immediately went to like Quagmire on Family Guy. (laughs) Giggity. Yep. Okay, but really, if there were a cartoon character with erectile dysfunction, it would probably be Quagmire. Yep. So totally appropriate. I love that joke. Let's run with that joke. Giggity? Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Giggity. Giggity. Somebody who does a better impression of that than us. At us. Yes. Shall we talk about what we're drinking today? Actually, timeout. Firm timeout. Viagra timeout. We can make jokes about the drugs. There we go. Hi, welcome to Taboos. Oh, hello. (laughs) We're a podcast that talks about taboo culture, in this case, erectile dysfunction. Giggity. Hi, welcome. We're never going to get good at this. Never. I don't even know what episode this is anymore. When I said we were on episode 34. 60 episodes ago i was wrong then too so i was like can confirm (laughs) we're really bad at this but real so stick with us just try we're cute we're loud we're funny we say bad words welcome to our show we're loud i'm loud thank you Allie's an asshole welcome to our show (laughs) accurate okay so now can we talk about some erectile dysfunction I thought we were talking about what we were drinking. We're going to talk about what we're drinking. I'm just excited to talk about ED. I'm just, uh, please tell me what you're fucking drinking. I'm drinking whatever you handed me, which is a stray fourth, which has that crazy ass owl on it that I love. I love my owl. His third eye matches my tattoo. I love it. And this is the guava hibiscus. Clairvoyance. Yes. 
love 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 yes yes if i were to be made into a beer it would be that beer like if my spirit were a beer it would be that beer well this is a seltzer so if my spirit were a seltzer it would be that seltzer ellie i really hope your spirit doesn't have that fucking voice (laughs) jesus it's going to just to haunt you (laughs) i will find zach baggins and and exercise my ass no because he's the most annoying person i can think to follow you around (laughs) as a spirit all right stepping away from our spirit selves now what are you drinking i'm drinking a beverage from black stack brewing oh shit i didn't even know how much alcohol is in this bitch 10.4 percent alcohol bro i'm gonna have fucking whiskey dick from this episode real oh my god okay wow there's so much alcohol in this it's called belly buttons literally and it's got little belly button rings all over the can and it's super super funny um let's see here this is the first beer that you've drank or i've drank that have actually had like a reaction to the thought in the name yeah so dear everybody Allie and i are recording together and i had asked her if she wanted something to drink for this episode and she was like yeah what what do you got just give me whatever and Allie is so totally when she says in terms of beer just give me whatever she means it okay i'm not that person but Allie is so i was just reading the titles to her because y'all know that's how we pick beverages is by can and by title and uh i read the belly button one and she was like ew no i just don't like the i just don't like the idea and i'm like okay but that's never happened before and it's weird because i like belly buttons so i just anyways please explain i like belly buttons i do they're cute (laughs) (laughs) okay i'm not even saying you're wrong i'm not even saying you're wrong i just wasn't ready for that also like other body parts would you would you like a list would you like a list to be less surprised in the future no please don't please please let me have this moment over and over and over as you find body parts to comment on (laughs) and also because the can doesn't even have belly buttons on it it's belly button rings like in as a whole (laughs) okay so there's that um, so the quote on this can says, it's drippy. Whatever you do, don't catch this one on your zipper. Okay. Its name is Belly Button and they just said it's drippy. Uh, and don't catch it on your zipper. And it's got a bunch of piercings. That's a dick thing. Like catching your zipper. Like I've never caught my belly button ring on a zipper. I mean, mom jeans go up pretty high now. That's fair, but re- not that high. Not zipper high. That's like sweatshirt. That's like a hoodie. And your hoodie's not going to zip into your... What? I don't... Anyway, moving on. I have no idea how to describe this beer because there are not descriptions on it. So um, I'm just going to... It's very fruity. It's a very fruit-infused beverage. Um, Definitely some hints of grapefruit. Definitely... Just wondering how many times you can use fruit. The same number of times you can tell me that you like belly buttons. But Butanch. I'm very busy calculating what this tastes like. I have a serious face on. I know. I can see the wheels. Honestly, you know what? It tastes like a moon man, but there's like a really harsh bite, right? Like like it's got that grapefruity pucker to it like a moon man does. It's, it's very hoppy like a moon man, but also like 
And this isn't me promoting Moonman. That's literally my favorite beer. And it's the only thing I can compare to for this beverage. However, the finish on this is not Moonman at all. The finish on this is very intense. There's a really real bite to it. It's actually not good. The aftertaste of this beer is not good at first. And now that I'm sitting with it, it is good. But there's like a 10 second period of the aftertaste where like you've officially swallowed, it's going down your esophagus and your tongue recognizes what happened. And then my tongue is like, oh God. And then after, then my tongue is like, oh, this is really nice actually. Okay. I can appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you for that. Now, can we talk about erectile dysfunction? Yes, I would love to. Oh, thank God. I've really been waiting for this point. I'm going to be done drinking that now. So to start this episode, I have a disclaimer, which I think is really, really important. The disclaimer is, just like any episode that we have done or will do in the future as it relates to a bodily function, the content discussed today is intended to be representation of a very real and very common experience for men. No differently than we believe men should be educated and understanding of a woman's physical experiences, it is also necessary for women to become educated and understand that of men's. Allie and I are in no way presenting this information as medical professionals. The information, medical or non, is based on our research and our opinions alone. We have a very strict no dick pic policy, so, I mean, please do not hear this episode as us enjoying and appreciating men and their dicks as an invitation to send us dick pics. Please don't. You will be found and we will tell the dads and then you have to deal with them. So, I'm just saying, no dick pics. Huge part of the disclaimer. Also, don't be a dick to other people. Also a huge part of the disclaimer. That's it. That's the disclaimer. Are we good? Yep. Excellent. Shout out to the dads. I love thinking of the dads as like our like our little motorcycle gang. They are. They are our little motorcycle gang. Like, go handle this, dads. Except I like thinking that Jordan needs a step stool to get up on his bike. So I really wanted to start with the definition of erectile dysfunction just to get that out of the way. This definition and all of the information that I'm about to share with you as it relates to what ED actually is all came from Mayo Clinic, which is found at mayo.com specifically. Laren, sorry if this is triggering you at all. Lair Bear loves Mayo. The definition is erectile dysfunction occurs when a man cannot get or keep an erection firm enough for sexual intercourse. It's also recognized as ED or impotence. So for the sake of this conversation, I am going to be super, super transparent. I'm going to rotate between calling it erectile dysfunction and ED. Honestly, those are the, I'm I'm using those very interchangeably. Obviously that's the name, but I'm saying up front, I use those interchangeably because erectile dysfunction is such a mouthful to say over and over and over. And there's so much of it in this episode. So ED, good? Good. So what is ED? Erectile dysfunction can be a sign of physical or psychological condition. It can cause stress relationship strain, and low self-esteem. Patients suffering from ED should first be evaluated for any underlying physical and psychological conditions. Stay tuned for later in this episode. If treatment of the underlying condition doesn't help, medications and assistive devices such as pumps can be quote-unquote prescribed. So what I really want to be just really upfront about with ED is that this is a very, very fucking common thing that men experience. It's so common, in fact, that there are more than 3 million cases a year. Wow. Yeah. Like, holy shit. And we're going to talk about some statistics later. And honestly, the statistics made it so apparent for me that this is so common and so natural for men to experience that honestly, I do equate ED for men to periods for females. 
Okay. It's that common. It's that normal. It's that easy to take care of. It sucks and it's money and we're going to talk about all of it, okay? But truly, dear men, just like all women get a period, small asterisk because there are some women who don't and that's a different thing, but all men at some point are very much at risk if not already have this condition. Mm -hmm. So truly, we're going to knock down that wall right away. It's super fucking normal. Quote, Having erectile dysfunction from time to time isn't necessarily cause for concern. If ED is an ongoing issue, however, it can cause stress, affect your self-confidence, and contribute to relationship problems. Problems getting or keeping an erection can also be a sign of an underlying health condition that needs treatment and a risk factor of heart disease. If you're concerned about erectile dysfunction, talk to your doctor, even if you're embarrassed. Sometimes treating the underlying condition is enough to reverse erectile dysfunction. In other cases, medications or direct treatments may be needed, end quote. So I thought that that was really important because this is so necessary for men to talk about for the reason of maybe their ED is coming from a place of there's something really, really wrong in their body. Mm -hmm. So really like listening to your dick is a big deal. Your dick is telling you something. There's something wrong. That actually leads me to my next point. Why in modern science is it so irrelevant to listen to your body when did we get away from that you guys really this is my small hippy dippy plug okay i am not a holistic i am not a naturalist i just i just really recognize benefits of both sides of that spectrum right naturalist and medication i'm here for it i do both i'm i'm just being honest about that but really in the naturalist side of me, I recognize at all times my body tells me exactly what I need. My body is communicating to me. My body parts are communicating to me what is happening inside of me. And before we had doctors, that's all we could rely on. In this situation, men's dicks are literally saying, bro, there's something wrong. Mm -hmm. Why would we not listen to that? Why would we be mad about that? Why would we punish men for that, for listening to their bodies, for actually paying attention to what's going on, but instead we just make jokes about it? Yeah. That's fucking stupid. Agreed. So just so everybody knows, and we are all level set going into that conversation, that's how I feel about that. Men are entitled to listen to their bodies. And if that includes their dick telling them that something's wrong on the inside, that's what that means. And I think part of that, and we'll probably get into this later, is just performance expectations due to society and... And their partners. Yeah. Women, as a woman, I'm completely, I'm completely responsible for this. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily responsible for men having it, or if I experience a man who is having it in, in a sexual experience with me, but you know what I am responsible for? My reaction, mm -hmm. the way I make him feel, my understanding of the issue. Yep. Just like I expect a man to understand how much it sucks that I'm on my period, I completely understand how much it would suck if his dick did not work when we wanted it to. Yeah, it's similar to a woman not being able to get wet. I mean, yeah, it's a different process, obviously, but... But really boil it down, it's the same exact thing. There should be no shame mm -mm. in nope. any form either way. And not only that, but before we really move forward, what I also want to say about that, because that was a great, great thing, a great comparative point. And I'm going to say this to everyone, but specifically to women, okay? Because you used a woman's body and we're women and I can't speak to what it's like to have a dick. I have no idea. So truly, let's just use that. If I were to have an issue getting wet enough for my partner, guess what? We have an instant solution. There's lube, there's spit, there's let's foreplay longer. Like there are options. Yep. 
Okay. And my partner, whether he is excited about those options or not, that that's what we're doing. Cause we're going to make this happen. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to do the no pants dance. Let's fucking go. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not different for me as a woman. If my partner is having a performative issue, because I just had a performative issue. That, that was the example we just talked about. Mm-hmm. It's not different. So dear women, if you are in a relationship or you have a sexual experience with a man who has this problem, it's okay. Don't freak out about it. Don't take it personally. It's not you. Mm-hmm. And even if it is you, who fucking cares? Because that's a self-love thing. Go back to our self-love episode. Don't worry about it. That's his fucking problem, not yours. But in a partner-based situation, that's not your problem. That's not you. You have to be there for your partner, though. It's not your problem, sure, but it is if you want to get it in. Mm -hmm. If you want to ride that dick right now, you're going to have a solution. We're going to figure this out. So seriously, women need to understand that we are contributing to the problem in the sense of exacerbating the stigma, in the sense of humiliating our partner for not understanding this, for asking them questions about this in a way that makes it so self-centered about us instead of our partner, for not knowing that ED can be signs of a much larger health issue. Like seriously, think about yourself in that situation. If your partner can't get hard and you're mad about it, but then the next day he has a heart attack and really his dick was saying, I don't have the energy to get hard because I'm working on the heart. Mm-hmm. How fucking terrible would you feel? Yeah. And you literally wouldn't even associate those symptoms mm-hmm. ever. Just the next day that your partner's dead and you're like, oh fuck, his heart gave out. No, last night his cock was trying to tell you you weren't having sex because something was wrong with his heart. Mm-hmm. Listen. Yep. This is so important for everybody. Men, this whole episode is going to be about me lecturing you on how you handle and how you deal with this concept. So please don't think that this is me just berating women. And women, please don't think that this is me berating you. This is important. And I recognize that women don't talk about this this way. And I don't understand why. Mm -hmm. We have such an expectation of men understanding and appreciating our bodies. But girl, that's a two-way street. Yeah. So that's where we're starting with this conversation. Yeah, really be compassionate, be understanding, learn something and be there for your partner. Exactly. And listen to our bodies, everyone individually. Listen to your body. If something hurts, there's a reason why. Listen. All right. So shall we talk about this stepping away from all the things and just get into the context? Are you ready? Yes. All right. Symptoms might include persistent trouble getting an erection, trouble keeping an erection or reduced sexual desire. So again, dear everyone, do not punish yourself. Do not punish your partner. Listen to the symptoms. Also, people are allowed to experience these things even if they don't have ED. Yeah. I don't want to fuck all the time. Mm -hmm. If I have a reduced sexual desire, I just don't want to fuck. Back up. That's cool too. There was an ad during a show that Nick and I were watching the other day where it was, if you've experienced erectile dysfunction two or more times in your life, please consult your doctor. And I turned to Nick and I was like, are they really saying that experiencing not being able to get hard more than two times in In your your life life? is cause for concern? Mm. He's like, yeah. And I was like, what the actual fuck? And that's so important because seriously, let's just throw this out there. Let's be in the spirit of being honest and the spirit of that conversation. Let's acknowledge sometimes men don't get an erection because they're just not attracted. We're going to talk about all kinds of aspects of it. But for that specific call out of two or more times, maybe there's been three women that you just weren't into and you mentally and physically couldn't get there. That does not mean you have ED. 
That means you just weren't there. This is a persistent thing, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't keep a mental note of it every time it happens. And that's why I say sit with yourself. That's why I say listen to your body. Because in that instance, if you were trying to hook up with so-and-so and you just couldn't get it, really ask yourself, is it because I wasn't attracted to her? Is it because something felt weird? Is it because I was so stressed? Is it because of the whiskey? Is it because of whatever, 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 whatever? Or is this another instance of a greater potential problem that I should talk to somebody about? It's a full spectrum. Exactly. So on that spectrum, let's talk about when is the time to see a doctor. Because again, this is a process that you have to vet just like any other health concern. So truly, a family doctor is a good place to start when you have erectile problems. See your doctor if you have concerns about your erections or if you're experiencing some sort of other sexual problem such as premature or delayed ejaculation. If you have diabetes, heart disease, or another known health concern that might be linked to erectile dysfunction, or if you have some other symptoms along with erectile dysfunction, those are also really good opportunities for you to like check in with your doctor. Yep. Also, on the listening to your body thing, that's like that's why it's important to listen to your body before you go to your doctor because your doctor cannot listen to your body. Your doctor can only listen to what you're telling them about your body. So it's so, so, so important for every single fucking human being to listen to their body because doctors cannot help you if you give them the wrong information. And I'm not saying anybody's doing that intentionally, but real, we all give the wrong information when we don't listen to what our fucking body's telling us. So do that. So let's talk about some causes. Quote, male sexual arousal is a complex process that involves the brain, hormones, emotions, nerves, muscle, and blood vessels. Erectile dysfunction can result from a problem with any of these things. I just gave you like eight fucking things. Yeah. Whoa. Likewise, stress and mental health concerns can cause or worsen erectile dysfunction. Mm -hmm. So I go back to again, if you're having a really fucking bad day, maybe that's not the day you get hard. Maybe it's not. Cool. Not a big deal. Go yeah. down on her. It's it, That'll be cool too. Yeah. Stress can do all sorts of fucking crazy things. Real. And that's for women's bodies also. Yep. That's everybody's. That's children's bodies. That's, every, that's animals. Living creatures who experience stress. That's a real fucking thing. Yep. Sometimes a combination of physical and psychological issues cause ED. For instance, a minor physical condition that shows your sexual response might cause anxiety about maintaining an erection. The resulting anxiety can lead to or worsen the symptoms progressively, end quote. Can you imagine how much that would suck? So much. Well, I mean, okay, having been there, worried about performance and then yeah. that compounding. Right. Jesus. Right. Because... Okay, so I, I think back to like, as a woman, if I have a performance issue, it's really a matter of pivoting to yeah. something else, yep. right? Like, let's grab the lube or, or, or whatever, right? Yeah. And it is the same for men, except we don't talk about it that way. Nobody looks at it that way. And also the pivot, quote unquote, is a lot more drastic because the equipment itself is where the, I'm going to say the word problem, but I don't mean a problem, but in that moment where the problem's coming from. Yeah. Right? So guess what? Use your fucking fingers. Yep. Or use your mouth. Like, we can still have sex. Would I love for your dick to be here in this moment and present with us? Yes. That's what I'm actually here for. But we make something else work, we make something else work. Mm -hmm. I really want you in this moment as my partner. That's what I want. Yeah, I love the D, but like, I'm here with you. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about us. Let's talk about you. What do you need right now? How can I pivot with you? How do we as a couple in this sexual experience pivot right now? 
Yeah. That's the question. And honestly, dear women and dear men, if you don't know how to have that conversation, say those words. How do we pivot right now? Something is wrong. It's not working the way it should. I'm frustrated by it, which is not helping. Let's stop. How do we pivot? What do we do different? Just have that conversation because seriously, not only is that going to make the problem so much smaller and so much more digestible and less scary and less frustrating, which might resolve the problem itself. I mean, like, let's be real. That could be a starting point. Or if it doesn't, you know what? You and your partner have now gained this trust and respect and this mutual place, even if this is just a temporary partner. I'm not even talking about long term, but what a fucking beautiful experience to have with another human being to say, to be vulnerable, to, to just acknowledge like I as a person am not physically working the way I should be in this moment. And for that human to respond with, cool, how do we pivot? How do we make it so that you are what you want to be in this moment? Why would that be a hard conversation? I'm just saying that would be really fucking cool. Mm -hmm. On top of that, too, I think it's weird that there's this concept that fingers and mouths and toys are still not just as sexy. No. And pleasing. And sometimes I don't even want your dick near me. Sometimes mm -hmm. I want the toy. Sometimes I want your fingers. Sometimes that's what I want. Mm -hmm. So like really, if we can't get to that point, it's okay. There are options. Options are so cool. All the options. So let's talk about some physical causes of this. These are the underlying, when you listen to your dick tell you, hey, bro, I'm not working. These are some of the things that could be happening on the inside. Okay. And this is so fucking important because literally, men, your dick could save your fucking life. Hear me say that. Hear me, hear me, hear me. Okay? We ready? Ready. Physical causes commonly include, the first one is heart disease. Yep. Okay. K, K, just so if anybody doesn't know, you're not living without your heart. You might live without a dick, but not a heart. So just take care of that shit. Clogged blood vessels, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, diabetes, obesity, metabolic syndrome, which is a condition involving blood pressure, high insulin levels, and body fat around the waist, and high cholesterol. Parkinson's disease, which is also lethal. Most of these things are lethal. Let's acknowledge that. Yeah. Most of these things are fucking deadly if not taken care of. So again, that's why I'm saying your dick's going to save your life. Multiple sclerosis. Certain prescription medications can have an effect on this. Can I help you? <laughs> I just imagined getting a little superhero cape for the dick. Dick capes. We should make that. <laughs> no, I don't want to make that. I don't like it anymore. But I like the, I like the idea in like mentally, not an oh, application. Oh, it could be attached to a ring cock. Oh, cock ring. Cock ring. ring, cock. <laughs> cock ring capes. Yes. Yes. A ring cock. I liked ring cock less, but I did like, I did like cock ring capes. Yes. It can be attached to a cock ring. Coming soon to the taboo store. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, our logo is going to look so sweet on those. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. Or we just add a cock ring to the logo. Oh, there's so many options. Okay. I can hear Melissa's joy right now. I know. Melissa's going to be like, yes, cockering. <laughs> oh, Melissa, we love you. We're so grateful for you and for putting up with us always. Like, so, so, so grateful. Okay, but I want to stop for a second on the prescription medication piece. Let's talk about that for a second. We have all experienced being on a prescription medication as long as you've ever been in the American health system, right? Yes. Okay. So truly, 
prescription medications can be great. Not knocking doctors, not knocking medicine, but I'm just saying there are a lot of adverse side effects that can come with meds, especially when people start building meds on top of each other. That's a whole different episode, and we are going to talk about that at some point, but for this exact conversation, let's stick with if those symptoms of your meds make you have ED, they're not the right meds for you. Mm-hmm. We need to be in tune with what our body needs, regardless of what a doctor is trying to steer us towards. Like, they can't tell us exactly what we're feeling, and we need to 100% be in tune with what our body is telling us so that we can more accurately tell them what is or is not working. And if that's impacting us to a degree that is harmful, we need to be upfront for it and willing to either let it go and try something different or move on to a different path that is better for us. Also, though, to just build off of that thought, it could be that you are listening to your body and your doctor's not listening to you. That's possible. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's a really big piece. Like maybe your doctor's not listening to you. That means get a new doctor. But but truly, here's where I'm coming from. Your body is never going to lie to you. Your body is never lying to you. If your body says I'm hungry, guess what? You're hungry. You might be bored. You might have conditioned yourself to interpret the message that's coming from your body to be a lie. Eating eating from boredom is a great example. Mm-hmm. I'm not hungry, I'm bored, but I am lying to myself and hearing my belly rumble as telling myself I'm hungry. Yeah. Okay? That's a lie we tell ourselves about our bodies. But really, if I listen to my body, I am hearing my body say, bitch, you're not hungry, you're bored. Get up, walk around, do some inverts, go outside, like do something. That's what my body is saying to me. There are so many times where science and medicine and doctors contradict unintentionally the things that our body are telling us on top of society then lying to us about what our bodies are supposed to do or look like or feel like there's so many complexities here but really what it comes down to in this specific piece is prescription medications although do help and are very powerful in a really great way and they are necessary. This is not me being anti-medication. What I am saying is if you're on the medication for the wrong reason or the medication is hurting you more than it's helping you, like even in this context, something is wrong. That's what I'm saying. Humans are meant to trust our bodies. We are as a species meant to do that the same way bears know they're supposed to hibernate. It's the same exact thing. It's just a different context. But to your point with vaccinations and modern medicine and all of that aspect of it, super necessary for our evolution and for us continuing to exist because humans have created, right, wrong, or indifferent, naturally or not naturally, we have created so many things that put our very fragile existence in danger. So for that reason, yes, vaccines are important. For that reason, yes, the medication is important. I'm not knocking any of that. Super important for our survival. But at the core of our existence as a species, human bodies tell us what's wrong by themselves. I get what you're saying, and I agree to a point. And I think uh, one thing I want to jump off of that is, and one thing that I really stress is overprescribing amounts yes, by doctors. that's a huge thing too. I didn't go there on purpose, but I want to hear you now that you brought it up. So I believe in prescription meds for solutions of certain things within our lives. Mm-hmm. For instance, I have a family member that recently suffered a heart attack. He needs to be on meds. Without question. Because his body is not able to take care of itself right now. That's 
why but it will never be correct point correct i'm with you keep going but i'm with you but for instance i am on a medication for my migraines and the doctor when we were first talking about starting it she said we'll start you on this low dose and we can look at amping it up later on and i was like why but why would we do that yeah exactly so i think the point is if it seems like something you need one do your research but your bu- but but that starts you're on the right path but that starts with listening to your body that mm-hmm. path starts with just sitting with your physical self your physical level and recognizing what it is oh yeah exactly to you what it is to you because that's what you take to the doctor and say hey this is what's going on yeah definitely but also do your research on what they're offering yes don't agree with them with starting with the highest level agreed because that's fucked and if it doesn't feel right be upfront about it yeah but that also comes from listening to your body yeah exactly that's my whole point though Mm -hmm. is like prescription meds aren't evil no you don't have to agree to them though and you Mm -hmm. don't have to agree to the amounts of them i think that's an important distinction i agree with you completely i also want to offer as somebody who has really struggled with that and again this is like a totally different episode but i'm here for this side path that we took as somebody who has had that issue in the past of doctors prescribing things and me just taking them willy-nilly because a doctor said so i recognize i was at a point in my existence where i did not listen to my body which is why i am stressing so hard what it means to listen to your body because i used to be the person who my doctor prescribed me percocet one time for a concussion Mm -hmm. is my doctor a bad doctor no was that the right move no 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 i would argue that any doctor that prescribes percocet for a concussion is a bad doctor i'm sorry and i but but i didn't know that i didn't wreck how how would i know and yes your point on researching is so important okay i'm not denying that but there is such a level of trust and ignorance and those two things are so deeply braided in our country with medicine and with doctors and with the mainstream science that we have truly eliminated the call to action for humans to figure it out within their own bodies first. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying only. I'm saying first. Mm-hmm. I love that we could take that adventure. I think that we're literally saying the same thing. I loved, I loved all of this. Let's go back to some other symptoms though. Okay. Excuse me. Physical causes. Other physical causes can be related to tobacco use, sleep disorders, Peyronie's disease, which is a development of scar tissue within the penis, and don't you dare worry because we're definitely going to talk about Peyronie later. Alcoholism and other forms of substance abuse. Those are all physical, external, internal, doesn't matter, things that can cause ED. And I wanted to talk about those so that everybody could really understand when I say your dick could save your life, these are the things that your dick could save you from. And I think that's important. Agreed. Some other physical causes include treatments for prostate cancer or enlarged prostate, surgeries or injuries that affect the pelvic area or spinal cord, and low testosterone. So I really think that those are all really important physical causes that can be attested to that people just don't really recognize. Agreed. There's also a lot of psychological causes, and I'd like to talk about those. Quote, the brain plays a key role in triggering the series of physical events that cause an erection, starting with the feelings of sexual excitement, a number of things that can interfere with sexual feelings and cause or worsen ED. These include depression, anxiety, or other mental health conditions, stress, relationship problems due to stress, poor communication, or other concerns. 
There's also complications that I think that can kind of fall under that psychological aspect, which can include an unsatisfactory sex life, stress or anxiety, embarrassment or low self-esteem, self-esteem. There it is. Hello, self-esteem. Thank you for making your way into this episode. Appreciate you. Good to see you. And the inability to get your partner pregnant. So we're going to come back to that. We're not going to get into that right this second, but just know up front already, we're already acknowledging it's a psychological cause that can directly contribute to ED. The next section of this information that I thought was really cool from the Mayo article was about prevention. Quote, the best way to prevent ED is to make some healthy lifestyle choices and to manage any existing health conditions. For example, work with your doctor to manage diabetes, heart disease, or other chronic health conditions. See your doctor for regular checkups and medical screening tests. Stop using tobacco, limit or avoid alcohol, and quote, don't use illicit drugs. And then my brain said, dot, 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 K, because I really struggled with that as identifying what are illicit drugs mm-hmm. and really recognizing that that very much felt like a moment of medical professionalism claiming to a criminal perspective. Does that make sense? I get what you're saying, but I think they're just saying don't use non-regulated drugs. I think that that's fair. I'm not challenging that at all. I also recognize that they're probably saying, if you do a lot of cocaine, it's probably real that your dick's not going to work. Well, yeah, exactly. So I get that. And I'm not opposed to that. But I also, in reading that, hear illicit drugs and I hear marijuana. That's not the same conversation. So I really struggle with that. I, I just recognized in reading it, although there is a valid health perspective to it, it very much the fact that it says illicit drugs definitely indicates to there being a much larger picture there for me. That's Mm -hmm. how I interpreted it. Matter of perspective there too, because marijuana is illicit here. Exactly. That's exactly where I was coming from in saying like, I recognize that the term quote unquote illicit is so subjective that from a medical perspective, nothing else on here is subjective. Mm -hmm. Nothing. No other aspect of this research or information is, which is why it stood out to me as so weird. Because yes, you're right. Marijuana is not illicit in other places, but it definitely is here. But is is marijuana a contributor of ED? I don't know. Mm -hmm. How would you know? Yeah. Right? Like, uh, let's use Coke for an example. Obviously, Coke is terrible. It's nothing but pure chemical and it's fucked up. Mm -hmm. Could that fuck with your dick? Definitely. Mm -hmm. But I think about like marijuana and although it's quote unquote illicit, it's a medicine. Mm -hmm. It's just not their medicine. Yeah. So I really recognize the politic there and it stood out to me and I didn't like it so I wanted to call it out in this episode because I'm not pushing anybody's politics Mm -hmm. exercise regularly is the next one take steps to reduce stress is also on the list and get help for anxiety depression or other mental health concerns all very valid things okay this whole thing about prevention is legit Yes. Even with my maybe small hush hush conspiracy society thing about illicit drugs Are you ready? Yes, I have no idea what for, but okay. Let's history, bro. Oh, God. I'm so excited. I literally, my special guest notebook says, let's history, bro. (laughs) Okay. Can we do that to brah? Let's history, brah. Let's history, brah. Let's do it. Okay. I got the history of erectile dysfunction from the article called The History of Erectile Dysfunction. Hashtag serendipitous. This is from nature.com. So this really seriously, the concept of ED goes back to 1668. Jesus. Yes. But not quite Jesus. 
because it's not as old as Jesus or porn for that matter. But porn is older than Jesus. Just want everybody to know that. Shout out to the no pants dance. In 1668, Rainier de Graaf discovered that the injection of saline into the penile blood vessels of a cadaver could induce an erection. And my special guest notebook says, excuse me? Yep. Because why? I'm not mad that he did it. Because obviously that's the cornerstone of this entire conversation. But I really am questioning, dear Rainier, why did you do that? Mm -hmm. Why would you think of playing with a dead cadaver's dick and injecting it with anything? I just really question that. Really seriously question that. I actually question that a lot throughout this entire research. Yep. Also, what I want to say with that is seriously, Rainier in 1668 proved that men can be forced to have erections. And I think that that's an incredibly fucking important piece for this episode and for any future episodes we have. Stay tuned. Agreed 100%. Francois, oh, this is the guy. This is the guy, okay? Francois de la Peroni is known for his original description of his disease in 1743 with the assumption that at the time he himself was a sufferer of the disease. As early as 1869, Shout out to 1869. French neurologist Charles Edward Brown Sigard put forward the theoretical links between hormone production and the aging process, which I actually thought was really, really fucking cool that in 1869, 1869, we already had the idea that there was a hormone relation to our physical beings. Yeah. That's pretty awesome that it was that early on. Exactly. I think that's amazing. So shout out to him for that. And then... Some of the other things he did get a little questionable. Not shocked by that at all. Mm-mm. And in the name of science, I support it. In the name of everything else, I don't. So really what happened was he considered injecting semen into the blood of older men in order to increase mental and physical performance. Mm-hmm. Just okay. wait. Just stop. Just wait. Just well, don't. Just don't. Just wait. Just no, wait. I just... <laughs> It gets just wait. It gets just so better. The logic. It gets so much better. Okay. I love that you went there though. I didn't even look at you. I stayed looking at my notebook because I knew. <laughs> I knew what was coming. All right. So the next thing is indeed the first animal experience in this theme were done in 1875. Okay. Okay. It's just I'm not done yet though. At the age of 72, he experimented on himself with subcutaneously, which is like where you give your shot for like an insulin shot. Okay. Yes. It's not all the way in, but it's in. I'm saying this for our listeners because you've already clearly said that you understand, but he did that. He did an insulin shot injecting animal testicular extract to himself. Okay. And at which point my special guest notebook says gross. You don't want animal? Like, no, not yet, but I will later. It's fucking donkey. <clears throat> just, like. just stop. It will be later. There okay. will be more later. All right. Coming. But Quote. As was he. <laughs> Our first orgasm joke in this episode. I'm here for it. I'm so here for it. <laughs> Quote. During the course of 10 injections, he reported an increase in physical and mental powers as well. As well as an improved, quote, jet of urine and, quote, the power of defecation. <laughs> These are the worst superhero skills I've ever heard. He's Captain Potty Time. 
I'd come to save the day in one minute. With my jet of urine. Excellent. So great. I will put out that fire. I got this. I'm under control. It's fine. The quote continues to say, The pre-therapeutic state was resumed four weeks after treatment discontinued. So you want to hear what the results of this study were? Yeah, I'm very excited. Excellent. I can't wait to share it with you. So it was really determined that bro had a placebo effect. Entirely fucking duh. Yeah. So much fucking duh. It's not even funny. That's all I can say to that. My special guest notebook even says duh. Okay. The next result of the study the placebo effect actually was due to the low level of androgen that he had injected quote nevertheless such experiments introduced the idea of androgen therapy to modern medicines which is actually super super important because that is where the study and the the medicine has developed to help people who are transgender Mm -hmm. and help their hormone balances and shit so even though dude had a jet of urine and the power to defecate, he really actually was instrumental for medicine that helped us to get to where we are today. So that's a really cool thing. Thanks, dude. Yeah, thanks for for all that. You did so many things for us. Thank you. We'll change your superhero cape to something better. Oh, I really like I really like Captain Potty Time. It's gonna look great along with our new lineup, Super Hero Cape Cock Rings. I'm really excited. We could put Captain Potty Time on the cop rings capes. <laughs> did you think? No, I said cock ring caves, but you heard cop ring caves. Yes, I did. We need to walk away from all of this. We need to be done now. Our show is over. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> if you're still with us after that, thank you. Let's move on to the next set of information. In 1920, Sergi Varenhoff was the first to transplant testicular tissue from a monkey into a human reproductive gland, which I actually thought was kind of cool and also mm, didn't love. In order to have the best long-term results, he only transplanted segments of the donor's testy, which again is the monkey. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they said monkey and then turned to donor as if this was a person. And this monkey did not donate anything. It was taken from him. Was he dead? I'm assuming he was dead. I would assume he wasn't. Monkeys have two testicles. Yes. I would assume he's not. Also, because what good would the testicle do if he was dead? It's not just an organ. It needs to be alive to work and process and produce what it does. Yeah. I mean, the one who donated to the one who got the transplant. The monkey was alive in my mind when I read the information and that's what I'm sticking with. Okay. Thank you. All right. And the monkey did not consent to this donation, in my mind. Okay. When I did this research. All right. Thank you. He reported that the hormonal secretion lasted for one to two years and then slowly decreased due to the increasing fibrosis of the grafted tissue. Do you know what fibrosis is? Isn't it a hardening? It is, yes. But also in this sense specifically, it is the concept of the way that his body like basically absorbed it. Yeah. And and attached and it did harden and it stopped working the way that it was supposed to. Mm. Okay, cool. The first vacuum device was created in 1913 based on the air pump concept that had been proposed in 1694, which I also thought was really fucking cool. Like 300 years later. Yeah. That, that's really fucking cool, actually. Nikolai Bogoris reported the first total phalloplasty in, in 1936. The procedure was followed by the penis being amputated. Shout out to modern science. Jesus. Don't worry, I'll tell you what the I'll tell you what the experiment was. So, let's talk about that procedure at a really high level, okay? Okay. In 1963, dude carried out the 
first penile implant using rib cartilage and bone in order to restore penile rigidity. Quote, however, the implant was reabsorbed. What? Yeah. After several months and the effects were completely abolished. Yeah. No, thank you. Re, I wrote reabsorbed in all caps. Mm-hmm. Gross. Mm-hmm. Weird. The human body is fascinating. I'm not even mad that he did this. I'm grossed out by the reabsorb thing. Mm -hmm. That's fucking sick. But like so cool, but so fucking sick. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Here we go. In 1952, the first alloplastic implants were described as, quote, using acrylic prosthetics. In 1973, a new concept came along that included using inflatable silicone cylinders. Quote, these could be filled voluntarily from fluid stored in a reservoir positioned behind the rectus muscle using a pump implanted in the scrotum. So truly, this concept that came around in 1973 is still to this day one of the most effective and popular erectile dysfunction, quote unquote, cures. Okay. There is no cure for real. Like if you have it, if your body physically is not doing it, there isn't a cure. There's only help. But if there's an underlying condition, that could be a quote unquote cure. Mm -hmm. I'm just throwing that out there for everybody to hear me say, I think we said it before, but not as articulately. So I wanted that to be really, really out there. In 1975, another prosthetic was created that was much easier to implant and had less complications. The disadvantage was permaboner. Due to the rigid rods positioned inside the capora cavernosa, which I then looked into because I was curious what that was. It's described as either of the two masses of erectile tissue forming the bulk of the penis or the clitoris. So really, that's your head. Yep. Cool. I didn't know that that's what it was called until now. There is literally so much science here throughout the rest of time to today like there's just so much we could have talked about and for the sake of this episode and for moving forward I really picked the pieces that I thought were most important to this research specifically but you guys there is so much out there from descriptions on vacuums and science on vacuums and just like all of it all there's just so much so really seriously if this is interesting to you if the science piece is cool if you have questions about ed really seriously go look into it but i'm gonna stop there for the history piece because we gotta keep moving and it's so much there's so much science out there so the next thing that I wanted to talk about is truly like how common ED is. Mm -hmm. And this came from erectile dysfunction statistics of 2021, which I was really, really excited about. The website was singlecare.com. So this was a study done by the single care team specifically. It was medically reviewed by Gerardo Sison, who is a pharmacist, pharmaceutical doctor. Okay. The worldwide prevalence of ED is expected to increase to 322 million men by 2025. Wow. We're literally four years shy of that. Mm -hmm. Whoa. ED affects about 30 million men in the U.S. specifically. One in 10 men is estimated to have ED at some point in his life. Again, that's kind of where that cure piece comes in. It can go away if it's a situational perspective. It's not going to go away if it is not a situational perspective. Right, wrong, or indifferent, doesn't matter. All of them are fine and can be handled. Don't freak out about it. In one study of eight countries, the U.S. has the highest rate of self-reported ED at 22%. And I think there's a lot of factors that go into that, which, I mean, go to our basement flooded episode, go to our virginity episode, go to, I mean, our dep 
we have covered so many, our self-love episode, we have covered so many topics that I think contribute to this number being so high for men. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a lot of external factors that truly in our country make this number so much higher for men. Mm -hmm. I really do. And I'm not minimizing that it's still a real thing. I'm just saying as a society, we're making it worse, especially because we tell men they can't talk about it. Spain has the lowest rate of self-reported ED at 10%, which is still like a lot of people. I mean, Spain is not that huge of a country, but that's still a lot of fucking people. ED affects about 10% of men per decade of life. So for example, 50% of men in their 50s are affected by ED. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And really, when you look at numbers like that, you know they just progressively have to get worse. Yep. So at some point, it's not going to be 50. It's going to be 75. And then Mm -hmm. at some point, it's going to be 100, right? Like, that's crazy. Thank you, notebook. Men older than 40 are three times more likely to experience complete ED than younger men. ED is less common, but increasing in younger men. Per a recent study, it was found that erectile dysfunction was prevalent in 26% of men younger than 40. Wow. Yeah. That's a real fucking number. So speaking of real fucking numbers, I also did this. I did stats by severity, which I thought was really important. Quote, you can't reach ED stats without also reading about the Massachusetts Male Aging Study, which is also known as the MMAs, of 1987 to 1989. So the study was the most extensive study done on ED since 1948. It included 1,290 people, and here were the results. 52% of subjects had any degree of impotence. Wow. Uh Uh-huh. Minimal impotence was 17%. Moderate impotence is 25%, and completely is 10 Hmm. In a more recent study, severe ED was more common with younger men at 49% than it was with older men at 40%. Right? I just thought that was so weird. And also I'm wondering like, why? Yeah. ED is medication related 25% of the time for patients in outpatient clinics, which is what I was talking about before and what we were saying about listen to your body. If it doesn't work, go back, talk to your doctor again. If they don't listen... Find a new doctor who will listen to you while you listen to your body, but super, super important. Blood pressure medications are the most common culprit in medication-induced ED. Vascular disease is the most common natural cause of erectile dysfunction. 64% of erectile difficulties associated with heart attacks and 50% are associated with bypass surgery. So really, there's a direct correlation between your dick and your heart. I know that there's like a lot of jokes out there about men and their heart being in their dick, but like this is us really saying like if your dick's not working, there's probably something wrong with your heart or vice versa. Just know that. Mm -hmm. 35 to 75% of men who have diabetes will experience ED. That's a lot. Yeah, that's crazy. It's a huge fucking number. Up to 40% of men with renal failure have some sort of ED or some degree of it. 30% of men with COPD have impotence. Smoking and using illicit drugs were more common in younger ED patients. Obesity and diabetes are responsible for 8 million cases of ED across the world. Hmm. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. And terrifying? The majority of men with erectile dysfunction are overweight And that number is 79% of them. Wow, that's insane. So truly, if that number tells me anything, it is that there is a direct correlation between being overweight and your dick working. Let's just really call it that, okay? 
love your body for whatever it is. I'm not saying if you're overweight, you're unhealthy, but really if you're having problems with your cock, it's a good question to ask. Men with ED have twice as many heart attacks. People with depression have a 39% increased risk of erectile dysfunction, which duh. Let's go back to the psychological piece. Yeah. Having erectile dysfunction also increases the risk of depression by 192%. Jesus. So if you have ED, you're pretty much fucking guaranteed to get depression by 200%. Yeah. That pissed me off so fucking bad. I don't even know why. It did when I wrote it down. It did when I just said it. Look, I like scribbled angry (laughs) because (laughs) that just blew my mind. Sexual dysfunction is present for 20 to 25% of infertile couples. What I really want to just say about the couples piece is shout out to our infertility episode. This is not an infertility thing, but really I just need to say in the perspective of ED, seriously, for couples who are trying to get pregnant, please recognize that that's a stressful environment for everybody, Mm -hmm. right? It's supposed to be a journey. It's supposed to be beautiful. It's supposed to, it's supposed to, supposed to, but it's not always that way for people. If you and your partner are experiencing infertility issues please recognize that stressing about it and worrying about it and not it is stressful i'm not even minimizing the experience but stressing about it and being on your partner's ass about the time and place and exact position for optimal conception is going to make this worse really if the the statistics prove that this is a direct contributor Mm -hmm. to erectile dysfunction because dudes get in their heads Yeah. They're in their heads about, oh my God, I got to get my girl pregnant because I want a baby with her so fucking bad. And then why can't my dick get hard? Mm -hmm. I want this woman so bad. I want to have a baby with her so bad. Why can't my dick get hard? Bro, you're you're not hard because you're thinking about having a baby with her right now. Be there in the moment. I need to say that to everybody, men and women. It is hard. It is stressful. And I'm so sorry for anybody who has infertility issues. Again, Shout out to our infertility episode. But recognize sex is really not on command like that. It doesn't always work like that, especially when there's a goal of making a baby. Take your time. Forgive yourself. Be gentle with yourselves. Be gentle with your partner. Enjoy the experience. Yep. Only one fourth of men with ED actually receive treatment, which broke my fucking heart. Mm -hmm. Especially considering how many of them there are out there. Yeah. One in four men who seek help is younger than 40. Good for those fucking dudes, but everybody else, get fucking help if you need it. Spending for the three most popular erectile dysfunction drugs is over $1 billion worldwide every single year. Wow. Mm hmm. Yep. Those drugs are Viagra, Levetra, and Cialisis. So I want to talk about cost of ED for a second because there is a cost to it. Um, Sort of like how we talked about with tampons and Mm -hmm. for our Let It Bleed episode, we talked about there's a cost for this for women. There is a cost for men too, and I'm super interested to talk about it. Pills had the lowest annual cost as it relates to treatment at $120 per year, according to 2001. So I wanted to leave the 2001 in there because I'm sure in the past 20 years, there have been some inflation price fluctuations in that. But seriously, like as of 2000s, is 120 bucks. Okay. It's probably in the same neighborhood, but it might not be exactly, so don't quote me on that. Medical therapies can include doctor appointments, diagnostic procedures, and hormone therapies, etc. So like if you do go the medical route of of pills, it's 120 bucks per the prescription per year, but you still have to go to the doctor. So it's insurance costs, it's doctor costs, it's whatever whatever whatever. But once you're diagnosed to the pill place, then that's your annual cost. Yeah. Okay. However, if the ED medication fails, penile prosthetic surgery is the opposite end of that spectrum. 
There's some in between, but I didn't cover all of that. I'm just went straight to the opposite. And that prosthetic surgery is the most cost-effective treatment, cost-effective treatment for ED in the long term. Although they can cost up to $20,000, insurance and Medicare usually cover penile implants. Wow. Huh. Which is so cool for dudes, mm-hmm. right? So fucking cool. Except, hmm, my special guest notebook says, small soapbox moment. Let's talk about this shit. Penile implant surgery is covered by insurance and Medicare, but I have to spend an extra $7 every time I buy a pack of tampons because of a fucking tampon tax. Yeah. What? You can get your whole dick replaced for nothing because the insurance covered it and I have to bleed every fucking month and I have to deal with that on my own? I just thought that that was absolutely ludicrous that although very cool for men and I recognize that and I'm not taking that from them, why is that not a thing for women? Hysterectomies are not covered that way. I mean, they're not. Periods are not covered that way. There's all kinds of women reproductive system items that are literally the exact same function as a penis just on a woman and they're not covered the same way. Why? Mm -hmm. That just made me mad. But we're not getting into that for real in this episode because that's not what this is about. This was about erectile dysfunction and the men who experience it and any men who might. I mean, really also just education for us as humans on the male body, which I think is really important. Agreed. So that's what I had here as far as research and whatever. Did you have anything that you wanted to throw out? I think one of the main things that we as a society need to do better on is just this expectation of performance from men and normalizing that it doesn't happen all the time every time and that's okay Mm -hmm. and i don't know i feel bad that sexual performance expectations are a thing i agree with you and yet i have them like i do i have them i can't not have them Mm -hmm. but they're not as rigid and traditional as what we're talking about in this context and i think that that's fair just for everybody to say right my expectation is that we're both going to enjoy this my expectation is that we both achieve the finish line like that's my expectation yeah but does that mean that my expectation is that my partner is rock hard the entire time no that's not my expectation mm-hmm. and why would it be we can still enjoy this experience and we can both achieve the finish line with or without your rock hard cock like really and really, porn has created this false reality. Oh my god, without question. Shout out to our porn versus reality episode, also of which is not real because the men in porn are using desensitization tactics, such as, I mean, just abuse to their fucking dicks, but also meds and different topical wipes that are used to eliminate sensations and, and sensitivity. I mean, there's just a lot here that I agree completely. Porn has really done damage damage for men and that's not talked about either so shout out to our porn versus reality episode for that reason yeah i loved that that was a really good point Mm -hmm. thank you for bringing that up Mm -hmm. what'd you learn here today i was shocked at how far back it went oh my god real shout out to that guy for calling out yeah the thing that i learned that i was really really disturbed by was the fact that at one point they like used bone and stuff in like a penile reconstruction surgery which is super cool okay like that is super fucking cool science and yet i didn't like it at all and then it reabsorbed and also because i saw a picture of the 
I saw a picture of this. I saw a picture of the anatomy of what it would look like. I need to tell you this. I need to tell you and dear listeners, everybody, I'm just having this fucking moment right now. This was totally not scripted. I saw so many fucking dicks while I was doing this research in a way that I've never seen a penis in my life. The number of anatomically correct pictures that I saw in this research and that I did on my own, like the the head the technical term for a head I was like I don't know what this is it didn't tell me so I literally had to go find it and then there's a fucking head staring at me and I was like cool excellent there's that I saw so many images of dicks I I'm I'm definitely scarred for life on the inside and the outside images but that was one of the things that I learned was the bone and that was really cool and also really fucking scary and weird and scary yuck is that what you learned here today then it is that's okay. what I was just telling you yes I figured I just wanted to clarify <laughs> Yeah. So, dear listeners, aside from bone being reabsorbed into a boner, uh, <gasps> we hope you learned something here today as well. I'm speechless. I loved that. I think the other thing that I learned here today, truly, is that there needs to be more education about this for everyone. Just like we had talked about in our Let It Bleed episode that boys need to be aware of what girls go through and girls need to be aware of what boys go through. That conversation has to continue at an adult level also. Yep, agreed. Right? Should little girls know that adult men have problems getting erections? No. No. That's not part of sexual education that needs to be perspected on both sides. It's not. But as a fully grown woman, do I need to know that fully grown men have a hard time getting hard sometimes? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, I do. You do. Why would we not teach people that? Why would we not talk about that? And I go back to men are are likely not going to be the ones to teach us about it because they're ashamed by it or it's embarrassing or, 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 or. So men aren't going to teach us that. Women, you need to take accountability for understanding the men in your life. If that's your son, if that's your husband, it doesn't matter. Maybe it's your dad. Maybe your dad has a heart problem. Do you need to know about your dad's dick? No. But what if that's the only thing that tells you that he has a real fucking heart condition? That's important. So there's just, there's such a context to these conversations that has to be looked at and brought up because truly ED is so prevalent and so serious, even though the tip of the iceberg that you're seeing isn't the most serious aspect of it. But truly, that's how I look at ED. It's a fucking iceberg. Mm -hmm. The tip is the tip. Yeah, it's just the tip. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just the tip. I think that education is super, super important for women, men. Education is just as important for you. You need to understand this is normal. You need to understand you're not the only person who is experiencing it. We as human beings need to understand what this means, how to look at it, and how to approach it correctly. Because seriously, it could save lives. And that's that's really what I learned here today. Beautiful. Thank you. That was better than my first answer. So dear listeners, if you also learned great things here today or had anything additional to add to the conversation, please feel free to do so. You can reach out to us at taboos the pod on instagram and twitter we're taboos on facebook we are taboos podcast at gmail.com and we have a website taboos the pod.com i think i actually got all of them i really think you did you did amazing i'm so proud of you if you want to help spread the news about the podcast please do so sharing us with a friend or god forbid a family member i mean share it with context hey dad Here's an episode about dicks. Listen, let me know if you have anything you need to talk about. 
I that's how I would fucking do it. I'm dead ass serious. Be like, bro, let me know your thoughts. We have to talk. You good? Okay, cool. Carry on. Please feel free to do so. We really appreciate it. The pod really only truly grows because of you guys. Or with Viagra. Nice. Thank you. I couldn't help it. It was such a prime time moment. See, I appreciate jokes that are not dad jokes. I just don't have very many of them is the problem. If you want to help support us in a monetary fashion, we do have a Patreon. The info is in the show notes. And that about sums it up. We love you guys. We sure fucking do. Long time. We hope you love yourselves. Even longer. Was that a train? I've never heard that noise here before. The aliens are coming. And on that note, everybody, do you be taboos. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.